The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Bike Goes On. This is Brian Casey with Sondra Bernstein and Kathleen Hill today. And it's obviously tomato season, Sondra. It is tomato season, one of my favorite times of the year. No kidding. It's actually when I'm not eating bread, I start eating bread when tomato come, tomatoes come. And wait a minute, why is that? Because I love bread toasted with either cream cheese or butter, yeah. a slice of tomato, and a little bit of sea salt. And okay. that that could be dinner every single night. I thought you were going to say panzanella salad. No, I'm not a fan of panzanella salad. Okay, Why? Because the bread's too soft? Yeah, or the bread's too hard, or the bread's too soggy, or the bread's too burnt. Okay. (laughs) But it doesn't help me from taking it off our menu when the chefs want to put it on, so (laughs) it is what it is. I just don't order that. All right. But um, this is so exciting because we have Christian from Little Paradise Farm. What is, tell me your last name? Cartano. Cartano. Christian Cartano. Very kind of standard Italian. Italian. I was going to say <laughs> Italian, but I didn't want to profile <laughs> a lot of names that end in O, right? It must be my Norwegian looks. Yeah, that, uh, exactly. That play, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. And um, I just feel like the luckiest person in the world today. Christian walked in the door with a lug of heirloom tomatoes of every size you can imagine, every shape, every tomato color, and colors that you would not expect um, a tomato to be, <laughs> and some Bloody Mary mix. So I I was like, I was hoping I had a bottle of vodka in my middle drawer, but I don't. Kathleen probably has one in her purse. Oh, I put you? it away. Uh-oh. <laughs> no. She drank it I actually, I actually... Took a little to uh, an event last night. With, you did? <laughs> with Peter Coyote, yeah. Oh, fun. <laughs> Very fun. Oh, now, um, you know, well, we'll get into it. I mean, I have to remember my mom and Bloody Mary and tomato juice because she, she's very specific about her vodka and tomato. But we can talk about it later. But anyway, um, how did you get in the tomato business? Yeah, well... Long circuitous route to get to where we are today or where I am today. Thank you so much for having me, by the way. Oh, we're delighted. Um, so uh, quick getting to know you. I, I'm originally from Iowa. Um, I grew up in the middle of monoculture, corn and soybeans. Um, and I have a degree in theater, which I got at the University of Iowa uh, many moons ago. Moved to, to New York City where I met my wife. Uh, lived there for many years. Having a degree in theater and living in New York City made me very uh, susceptible to the restaurant industry. Which yes, kind of exactly. <laughs> we all become waiters, right? Uh, exactly. Bartenders or Bartenders cooks. or chefs or whatever, whatever you have to do. But it really kind of um, allowed me to learn a lot more about food in general. And I noticed that over time doing that, I began to gravitate more towards the concepts of farm to table, uh, more of classic real food eating. Um, and then when we moved out to California about 15 years ago, I was it coincided beautifully with sort of the advent of the real farm to table movement that's been happening over the past five, 10 years. Um, it really is uh, exciting to live in a place now where this stuff is available all the time. We, we were very blessed to live in Sonoma, but really to have heirloom food and um, color and excitement coming back on the table is a really, really great thing. Um, yeah, I started farming, uh, you know, I guess full-time probably about eight, eight years ago with a long interest in gardening and ecology 
before that. Um, but uh, really doing it full time, I, I started out working, you know, part time slash full time in a garden, uh, just growing tomatoes for Gott's restaurants over in Sonoma under okay. the tutelage of, or my mentor, I guess, would be Chris Lander Casper. He owns a farm in, in Solano County now called Landerosa Farms, mm. uh, growing tomatoes for. Green, green leaf and a bunch of other places. Um, so I kind of learned the basics of, of how to grow thousands of tomato plants at the same time uh, through him, which is an amazing process to learn. Um, and then we started the project, or he started the project at Little Paradise Farm, which I took over for when he started his farm. Um, I guess that's all the, the background information. Yeah. So we, we started, um, Little Paradise Farm started with the idea of making um, small batch products that we could sell locally for people to to consume or give as gifts um, and we are certified organic uh, we wanted that that is a very important part of our our mission is to, to be organic and regenerative to the soil which we can get into or we the can, Steiner method um, not necessarily no, not, Steiner, not I wouldn't say that it's necessary it, there this is a whole episode into itself. It soil is health. a whole. I know. Um, so soil <laughs> health is a really important part of, of farming and organic mm-hmm. farming right now. And there are a lot of people doing it a lot of different ways, but um, sort of the same tenants are, are becoming more and more obvious. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, no, reducing tillage, creating a, a very enriched biodiversity or enriched biodiversity wherever you can on the farm. Wait, but well, also, I'm sorry. What does that mean? Reducing tillage. Tillage. So. We can we can jump off tomatoes into yeah, into yeah, farming, farming itself because and- it's really amazing right now. We've got we live in a great place. There there, incredible thinkers doing really good work on the idea of how do we take this farming model from the 20th century that is really not working um, through its massive use of petroleum or inputs or poisons or whatever you want to call them. Um, they were really kind of degrading our soil and we're losing productivity, but also biodiversity health through, throughout the ecology of, of everywhere you see monoculture, you see a diminishment in bugs, you see a lack of animals, you see all of these water problems, soil erosion, all of these major issues. Organic farming is um, a leaping off point now. I think it's, it's you know, cert, we're certified because we believe in certifying um, organic and I like the, the kind of tracking that occurs because of it. But reducing tillage is one of the main things in the past five years or so we've begun to really realize that that's where all of our carbon is going. Every time you till a field, you're throwing that dirt into the air. You're throwing everything you've captured through the plants and stored in the soil. That gets destroyed, thrown into the, into the wind, basically, and lost as topsoil. And, and, why, and why would people till in the first place? Tilling, you know, it creates, well, if you look at... Um, the 20th century, you know, kind of post-World War II farming, we kind of ha- came up with the, this new way of ingest, injecting s- our soils with um, fertilizers that were chemically based as opposed to manures and natural fertilizers that had been kind of previous to World War II and that manufacturing and uh, came from it. Yes. I think that's where a lot of people's allergies, food allergies oh, are coming sure. from. That and the, and the, the, the fact that we... Are losing our resistance the foods themselves are not as nutrient dense as they used to be when you when you till the soil you're destroying the ecosystem of millions of, of bugs bacteria fungi everything that's in the soil which work together with the plants to create that nutrition in every plant uh, plants are feeding our plants are taking their energy from the sun and they're feeding the soil on um, the, the the root exudates of plants are what feed all the microbiology of the soil so when you're turning that all up and throwing it in the wind, you're basically removing all of the work that you've done as a mm-hmm. farmer. 
So we've been slowly but surely trying to reduce our tillage just um, through, you know, and using cover crops to keep the ground covered at all times. Once those, that bare soil is, is terrible, every, every bit of life it goes down about six inches yeah. in the soil from that. So you're not really even allowing the life to get to whatever plant you're planting. Um, boy, you can well, tell I've got a lot to talk well, about on this. I have a question. If, if the co- you plant the cover crops, and but you don't turn those under. Right. So there are, there are various ways of doing it. But one, one way to do it, you cover crop, let, you know, which everyone should do um, in the winter here. It, it's magic to, to watch you know, a field turn from let's say you mow it down to watching those oak grasses sprout yeah. and doing a, a diverse cover crop of many different um, plants, you basically mow that down and you can seed right into that. Or what we've been doing is creating uh, permanent beds, basically, and that we, we will, uh, permanent raised beds that we know, I have two, I guess you'd call them gardens slash fields, that are now um, two years in we, uh, with no tillage at all. I, I, <laughs> I hate the tractor. I, I, uh-huh. It's kind of sacrilegious for a farmer <laughs> to no, say it's that. It's terrible because like men and their yeah, like and their toys, tractors right? and their... Well, yeah. and everyone wants to rototill. I remember when right. I was growing up, exactly. that, before we put in the garden, you always rototilled. I don't know right. why. Well, and, and you know, there's a great farm in Sebastopol who are, and, and Paul and Elizabeth Kaiser uh, run Singing Frog's Farm. And I'm sh- I don't know if you've heard of it, but they Singing are frog. on the cutting edge of what, we're, what, what regenerative farming is going to be. What farm? Singing Frog's Farm. Oh, yeah, okay. So they're, um, they are a small, uh, not to talk about them instead of me, yeah, but they're a small, uh, small-scale, non-mechanized, inten- bio-intensive farm uh, that is exclusively no-till. So they're creating long, you know, 80-foot beds, like you would normally see in a in a field, but they once they, they till first, build the bed, and once that bed is built, it's never touched again. It's no, it, maybe broad forking if you need it. The broad fork replaced my tractor. My tractor is now used for mowing. Um, broad fork is this tool that. So through. why uh, raised beds instead of in the ground? Well, not I'm sorry, not ra- I didn't give the wrong mounded beds. I guess is more of a thing. Is we're still oh, open. Okay. We're not building frames around them. We're oh, just, it's, I thought it's you more meant boxes. Of, uh, no, I mean, which you, if you have boxes, you can totally apply the same procedure to it. It's, uh, we add compost um, and maybe a little nitrogen if we need it, but we're working towards a system where the more, the less you till, the more the biology of the soil is actually working for you. You, the the tiller, it basically is the same as worms and bugs and all of those mm-hmm. things that are digesting and moving right. the soil around underground. So we're trying to embrace this biodiverse idea that you can farm grow well the, let me just quickly back to singing frogs farm is that they're making a lot of money doing it too like so the big thing about farming is you can't make money farming and the reason you can't make money farming is because the only way to do it by the current model is to do it huge, huge. tractors and thousand acre farms paul's got this great saying that he isn't you know we don't need more thousand acre farms we need 110 acre farms or 502, you know, or 205 acre farms, you know, like we need smaller, uh, intensive, healthy, healthy farms and and farmers focused on building soil instead of growing fence row to fence row. You know, uh, the idea of monoculture (coughs) is great. And we see a lot here with grapes, but, but predominantly, you know, vineyards are perennial, which is a great thing, keeping the roots in the soil, not tilling as much. Um, and then also a lot of vineyards you'll see are, are 
embracing biodiversity. They're using hawks, they're using owls, they're using mm -hmm. all of and snakes and raptors and are, are our best friends against gophers, which are our worst mm -hmm. enemy. Yeah. You know, you find that um, I find that the you know no-till version or limited tillage, you're, you're, I, I see life coming back to the soil so much so that you don't even need a tiller on certain areas. I'm two years in. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, I know. Can I get you to um, in a little bit? Yes. Oh, absolutely. So, I, so the first no-till bed I did, uh, we're two years in on it, and, and we've done tomatoes there two years in a row. This year, those tomato plants are larger, more productive than the year before. I expect next year, which we'll probably switch it out to something else, but mm -hmm. um, every year, I, I think you get you see more and more life. It's all about getting organ more organic matter into the soil. And can you tell when you're looking at the crop that year when it grows, like the differences from the year before? Like vis visibly or taste-wise? Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, and typically, you know, with a lot of crops, you're not going to grow them in the same place every year. However, we are mixing in, you know, in these raised beds, you're able to get more crops in throughout the winter. We're growing things throughout the spring. And then your tomatoes come in and they stay in for a while. But once those, mm -hmm. once those go down, you, we, we, I'm, I'm going to do uh, the year I'm doing favas right in on top mm -hmm. of them. <coughs> Excuse me. So I've been doing that for years. Yeah, I mean, favas are I mean, amazing here. You They're have so a bunch of tomato plants, don't you? I do. They're seedlings from a friend who saves seeds, and I got them this year. They're they're not doing as well as they might. Oh. But um, I also don't add any fake feed. Right. Or chemicals. So and right. and you don't oh natural. You don't need to. Yeah. I mean, that's the the big myth. You know, if we if you think about what we're we're, how we grow things is, is really the most important thing because we're losing biodiversity in plants. I'm holding a tomato right now for those who mm -hmm. can't see. We'll, um, po we'll post pictures of what we're, we're talking also, about. Um, we're, we're also losing like the biodiversity. I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought there for a second holding this wonderful thing. Um, <laughs> you know I what? Love it. But I, You're can so I passionate. Get a, can I get a picture of your hands? Oh. My, oh. my no, dirty just, just both your hands without the tomato. <laughs> oh, like real my farmer's hands. farmer hands. Yeah. Yeah. So in the summer, a real tomato farmer right, has perpetually exactly. green hands. Um, I, Which should, is awesome. La laundry is always fun. Electric green. I wish I could <laughs> you, bottle and dye the electric green that tomatoes give you in the summertime. It's pretty amazing. Um, but, it, you know, I think it's fascinating just all of the biodynamic and the certified and the carbon. And we are learning so much every day. And, I mean, even now with the Amazon right now and things right. are on fire, you know, I read an article yesterday that said, okay, if you want to help the situation, stop eating meat. Be you specifically know? for the yeah, Amazon. Be, exactly. It's like, I mean, all of these things affect the future of but the food sources. It's true. One of the one of the things we have to realize, though, is that, you know, a lot, a lot of it's through misinformation. You know, we're not, we've not been really... Fake uh, news. Well, <laughs> not to give credit <laughs> to that concept, but um, yeah. the, uh, it, it, we, I don't want to say we're being lied to, but we're not getting the full right. story on what, what, how things, you know, the, the idea yeah. of better living, th living through pesticides has never really clicked with me, which is why I'm an organic farmer. Right. I never understood how we can use that as a, as a growing concept. If something that kills bugs has no effect on it. Right. Never right. It's crazy. So we have to find ways that work. And the ways that work are, are realizing. If you look at 
one thing I was like, and there are so many better people who can really go into this. No, the you're amazing. Of, you're you are incredible. I have, I have a brain full of other people's ideas, so I'm trying to get those it's okay. out. okay. Um, but, uh, but you put them all to use. And yeah, ready. I do. Well, and that's the great, the amazing thing about, you know, kind of organic regenerative farmers right now. They're such a, they're the smartest group of people I've ever met. Sorry, mm-hmm. theater people, but it's true. <laughs> um, they are, they have to wear so many different hats right now, especially, you know, I mean, Soil scientists, ecologists, biologists, um, all of those things, but also mechanics and accountants, and they, they are also now firefighters, and they're trying to, you know, we, we're responsible for dealing with so much, but one thing, like you mentioned, is climate change or mm-hmm. climate disruption, which is a huge problem that only farming, only changing our, the way we farm things will correct it right. or, or enable us to get to a place where we can actually deal with it. Uh, in a larger scale, we we are. Um, so you're really a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> well, we haven't even really gotten into the health of the food that we eat. Yeah, because that I mean that's another side of it too. Is that healthy tomatoes, healthy people? Exactly. I mean, you want to buy, you want to grow, or at least my, you know, idea behind food has always been that it it, it needs to feed you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the concept behind food. Majority, the majority of what we eat. Majority of what we buy in the grocery store does not feed you. It is not nutritious. It is. <laughs> you want a hand? I'm holding the tomato. So this is a great. is currently ho- holding a mortgage lifter tomato, which is a great. Is that the name? That's the it's name a of a mortgage it. lifter. So the guy, before, the guy yeah. who created it in the 30s was this farmer out of luck, down on his luck, almost losing his farm, and uh, grew this one variety and sold transplants for a dollar a piece. And he was able to pay off his mor- entire mortgage in one year. Oh, that's fabulous. Mortgage, mortgage lifter. Yeah. It's kind that's of a, fabulous. Well, and you're talking about in the 30s, a dollar is, uh, that's pretty pricey. That's expensive, that's it. Yeah, actually. Right. I mean, we're paying two or three now, so. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> but nutrition is really what got me involved in growing food. And one of the aspects that, because, you know, I, I, uh, I hate the grocery store. I'm sorry to whisper that, but I don't yeah, know no. who's listening. But mm-hmm. The idea, when I learned that there were thousands, literally thousands of kinds of tomatoes, and we grew up with, I don't have my early girl here. My early girl is the closest thing to a red tomato I grow. Um, When we have just these, you know, red round objects we call tomatoes, that is, that that was unacceptable to me. Right, with no Of course you were in Iowa. I was in Iowa where that's what it was. Yeah. But also, I... You're lucky to get one. I, um, in Iowa, I discovered the Seed Savers catalog as well. Uh, that was when I, way back when Seed Savers Exchange in Iowa, their whole mission mm. is to collect seeds, heirloom seeds to um, preserve and pass on for generations. And they had a lot of the early, when the heirloom movement was, heirloom movement, that's a weird way to put it, but heirloom, uh, Re- heirlooms, Re- be- revolution, Re- 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 revisitation the excitement or over heirlooms yeah. <laughs> <laughs> reasserted itself. Right. Um, uh, the seed Savers was one of the first pe- people I was finding seeds I'd never even imagined before. But then you realize that they're they're not alone. There are dozens of people who are doing organic seeds in real ways. They're mm-hmm. saving heirlooms, but they're also, like we mentioned earlier, uh, off air, they're they're breeding new varieties that are exciting and colorful. Um, along with that, though, with soil health, you're really able to grow nutritious food, and I believe you can taste the difference when you actually eat it. Um, the imitations we find in the store and the lack of variety really motivated me to get in the garden Mm -hmm. and and grow 
kind of what I wanted, um, as opposed to what I was told I could have. Yeah. Did uh, you study farming in any way? I mean, not o- mostly through um, doing, and you know, and do that was I mean, working on farms, working in restaurants actually taught me a lot mm-hmm. about food. I love working with chefs. I think it's such mm-hmm. a great relationship to have because you're you're kind of both plotting scheming and building things together uh if you have i have a few tomatoes this year that i haven't grown before and to see a chef's eyes yeah. bug out when oh i just went them. nuts when you brought this <laughs> box in i was like oh my god it was amazing <clears throat> it but, is amazing but it's possible for it i mean this is the way we can eat every day mm-hmm. like that's that's the thing we we we, we don't really realize farmers markets are full of of opportunity for not only farmers to sell their goods but for people to really get good food mm-hmm. and i think it believes it begins with color too like mm-hmm. you know, eat, eat your colors is kind yes. of a, right. a thing but it's eat with your eyes before you mm-hmm. but and me. i yeah. think that that um there's no excuse to eat a red tomato unless you're looking for a red tomato i mean i have right beef steak or a right and i have i i'm not against Red tomatoes, right. they have if their place, but heirloom reds. Um, I'm I'm kind of a, a food snob to begin with. When it, because of being able to grow this many, I have trouble in the grocery mm-hmm. store. The idea that there are only round black eggplant right. blows my mind. Right? Oh, right. I know. So Everyone, so when you say, you know, kind of try other tomatoes, which are expensive to most people, they are. Um, do you prefer they grow them or how themselves or? Um, how do people face that when they're four dollars well, a pound or something? I mean, it's it, it's my my feeling. Of the matter is that seeds are cheap, and you can st- my my mother in law, um, which I never understood. Start, by the way, right. what, what the the seeds are, that seeds are so cheap, and then a gold for some reason is so expensive. Mm-hmm. And the seed I'm putting in the ground, and it's feeding me. This gold just looks pretty. It seems like the most right. upside down economy ever. It's very true. I mean, when it, when a seed is less than a penny or a penny a piece, and the fruit it brings is close to four dollars, right? Like right. That the Ron. I don't know if you're familiar with Ron Finley. No. Uh, he did a very famous TED talk a few years back, and he's sort of the gorilla gardener for LA. I want to listen to it now. And, oh, yeah, okay. and he uh, he he's this amazing man who's really kind of. Uh, made a career out of, of maximizing unutilized spaces in urban environments mm-hmm. to really provide food sources for people who live there, who are often in, in food deserts. Um, but he has this great saying that, that growing food is like printing money. And it is. When you mm-hmm. think about like mm-hmm. what little effort it takes to put a seed in soil yeah. and raise it. I mean, obviously, they're on a larger farm. There are a lot, many more considerations. But for the home grower, or the, rather the home eater, there are... Um, very few limitations. Growing space is really the, the biggest thing. Right. Well, and for um, me, the best part can of you growing... you hear me chewing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> for me, the best part of growing at home is, you know, I'm lucky that I have a great market near my house where we do get a lot of these different varieties of tomatoes. Right. But... What market is that? Oliver's Market, of course. <laughs> but sometimes I want to eat a tomato that night. And a lot of times when you go there, they've got a lot of variety, but they're not quite ready to be right. eaten. So I love when I... A tomato at home I'm going right out to the garden and picking one that is like I mean it's you literally you know go to pick it and it falls into your hand without much effort. and it might and be warm right yes, right. Exactly yes. Right. And like it's a never Jersey seen a tomato. walk-in or a, or a yeah. truck that was refrigerated and um, warm by the Sun right mm-hmm. I mean that's the thing with those red tomatoes and most grocery store food is that yeah. it's a week old when you're getting it at, right usually yeah. and that that's the difference they're picking them green or they're picking them pink so my Hollywood kid, my son, lives in Los Angeles in a duplex with his wife who has a bakery and their five-year-old little boy. 
And uh, I think because of his preschool garden, my son started listening to him where he really hadn't listened to me about gardening for 40 years. <laughs> and, so they, the and, and they are now growing incredible tomatoes. And his little boy said... In the duplex? In the backyard. They, oh, they have a ba- and they okay. turned the fountain out in front. I mean, it's a big duplex, but right. they turned the fountain under fr- out in front into an herb garden mm. and, oh, and nice. medicinal. Mm-hmm. And um, his little boy, who's just turned five, said, Daddy, can we go to the hardware store and get more seeds so we never have to go to the supermarket again? <laughs> he is ahead. so funny. Like, that's an advanced I hope you guys are writing down all his phrases and things. His name is Linus. I know. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. You know, so, I'm sorry. I just wanna, I'm just wondering if we can go back for a second. I want to know where this where Little Paradise Farm is. Yes, yes, yes exactly. We're right near where we are right now. We're less than a mile, about a mile down Knapp Street. So we're okay. on the east side of Sonoma. Um, it is a 30-acre property. We wow. Have eight, we, we have eight acres fenced off for the house, uh, the owner's house, and then our farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest is forest. The Do they have chickens still? Yes, we have. Um, sorry to yell. <laughs> sorry. We have um, uh, a small flock of chickens and a rooster for the for egg production for the house, and we don't sell any of them. Well, and very early they planted organic olive and fruit trees around. We have wonderful orchards, which are, are finally, through many ups and downs and all arounds, uh, producing wonderful fruit. Uh, cherries are always a little iffy in Sonoma because of the... Mm-hmm. the uh, birds w- get them. Winter. Birds, <laughs> birds get them. There's also winter, like the winter frost thing always seems to Fig trees? Ours. Figs. I've got uh, both a Black Mission and a Conandria that are just about to come on. Um, That's good to know. Yeah, no, we have we have wonderful figs. Uh, we we do a little. The orchards we have we are very diverse as far as like kind of one of everything. So the idea behind that, and which anybody with a house and some room can do, is to always have fruit to harvest exactly month after month. So if you plant your trees appropriately, you should have successive fruit all most of the year. Right. Um, That's then, what they did when I bought my house. My house has really beautiful landscaping. <clears throat> and I, I honestly, I don't know a whole lot about it. And I could kill pretty much any plant other than a <laughs> succulent. Um, and, and I can kill a I succulent kill too. <laughs> yeah. And but, orchids. Yeah. And, and orchids. I mean, but truly what I noticed is that as the months would go by, this plant would be incredibly gorgeous and then it would go away and then this plant came on and started blooming and the people who did this knew like everything that was coming up was so all year round well and and one of the main reasons to do that is for birds and bugs right Um, so you're you're basically want to provide a habitat um, an area that's untouched Mm -hmm. or undisturbed and um, whether it be with fruit trees or bushes or or hedgerow insect trees insect trees basically and then um providing them with flowers or food throughout the year. So you have these successive plants that are mm-hmm. in flower. There's always something to eat. And right. here we don't have that mm-hmm. as much of a winter problem right. as right. most places. But um, but it's still very important to have it in all, like to keep our native pollinators happy. Right. And well, I think we talked about this off air. What is it that you're doing with all of the, the bounty that's coming off of the garden? <clears throat> so we're, we make... Uh, local product. I think I mentioned the. Uh, we make a small batch Bloody Mary, mix. which is delicious. Uh, it certified is delicious. organic, certified yeah. vegan, or um, which also is a great 
little thing. When one of the first things, I'm vegetarian mm -hmm. uh, for most oh, of wow. my most of my adult life. I've I, I I've dabbled. The restaurant uh -huh. industry opened me up to some things, but but for the most part, um, vegetarian. And one of the things we changed vegan. when I first not vegan, no. Um, but one of the first things I changed was the Worcestershire sauce in our Bloody Mary mix. Oh, because oh, it has fish, anchovies. Right? Yeah, anchovies is mm -hmm. usually a main ingredient, yeah. which, uh, yeah, can trip huh. up some vegetarians right. along the way. But in order to be able to test it, I kind of wanted to have it. And mm -hmm. also have one that's available to everybody. And but, so what did you use instead? Uh, organic, uh, vegan Worcestershire sauce, which okay. is made oh. for mm -hmm. that very purpose, I bet. Or, right, uh, probably. Know, right. Um, which is, is wonderful in the... Very little difference. Uh, okay. There's no need for for fish to suffer in that one. Right. I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah. um, but we um, so we make the the Bloody Mary mix. We also make it with um, fennel and beets, horseradish, all grown on the farm. Mm. Um, the idea behind it too, uh, just to mention, is is that what I try and do because I use a, a mix of so many different tomatoes. We have we use sauce tomatoes. Sort of we use the Japanese black. We use the Italian red pear, and then um, some wow, that's a early girls. One yeah. This one, I mean, you can that feel that. That looks like that. an apple. Yeah, right. you feel that. It's all meat. It's There's very very that? little juice. And this very is little, yeah. Italian It's an Italian pear. Italian uh, called. pear tomato. And it looks like a, it's shaped like a pear. It but, is. Um, it's stunning. It's just, just super meaty. Um, so we use kind of, you know, saucier tomatoes or thicker, meatier tomatoes for a base. And then I always add just, depending on how the plants are doing, I always add a good mm -hmm. third of it is a mix of heirlooms and, and fun stuff, colors and things that add a little extra sweetness. And, mm -hmm. and well, I love how it's not pureed smooth, that it's no, got I like chunks that it's to chunky. it. Right. We've got, I mean, beets and fennel are tough to puree smooth. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, you know, but the idea is to keep that vegetal quality because you want it, we want it to taste like that summer tomato. We want Do you it still to think like it's it spicy? This batch is not what I had to test a year ago or okay. more yeah. than that. And, and yeah. please, apologize to the lady of the house oh. because um i didn't respond because it was so bad that i didn't want to tell her well you know <laughs> that's, with, te that's terrible i know this is lovely thank you yeah. thank you it it's you know it's interesting with the product too to like get that consistency year after year we you know the tomato it all everything happens differently every right year it farm. can't be exactly the so same i approach it in a very vintagey way right um very much right. so with the tomatoes that I love are that. used to like nuance the flavor mm -hmm. sweeten it up or soften it those are those are definitely um per year you can taste the difference in in bottle to bottle i guess we should probably put a horseradish yeah so and jalapeno yeah my mom would not do this like She's she spicy. has to no, she does not want Bloody Mary mix. She wants straight tomato juice. Oh. But I would love one day for her to have really fresh juiced tomatoes. I, mean the, the, I don't know if she would like she that. She won't even use V8. Uh, she yeah. likes V8, but not for her Bloody Mary. Not <laughs> with her vodka. The best Bloody Mary mix you know, is freshly made yeah you know, in, in, if i go to a restaurant or a bar and they make it themselves yeah. that's where i go for a yeah mix from there we make ours Mary's ourselves home. but we use canned tomato juice right i mean we don't juice I mean, our other, tomatoes. well as you yeah. probably should any other time but now like, right. that's a whole exactly. other yeah. discussion yeah. Exactly. too like as far right. as the seasonality of things right. too is a big right. concern that's, for me yeah no that's chefs. a good point um we you know tomatoes are the, the now is tomato time so it's sort of the the, uh, the peak of summer in so many ways for us on the farm, but it also um, just kind of, it's, it's very evident why we do what we do is to hit mm -hmm. this point where 
all of the colors are everywhere. But on the farm too, managing that is we we also grow fall crops and spring yeah, crops. So we kind of rest a little more. You do in the have winter. everything. I mean, we grow not a little, everything, but <clears throat> we grow a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. I so I um, so you ask where all the bounty goes, and you know the Bloody Mary mix was sort of one of our first concerns. We also work with a few restaurants here in Sonoma and Napa and in um, San Francisco, um, and that and that provides me with the opportunity to not just focus on tomatoes mm-hmm. year-round, but mm-hmm. also to have some diversification in our crops because we are growing everything anyway, and it kind of started out as this large garden that kept getting larger and larger, and then, oh, no, well, what, and what we what was the original intent when, when some, <clears throat> when that, when, and what year was it that the garden was started? So the farm started in 2013, okay. um, and it was, it was kind of based around the idea of creating products, and we, we've, we've okay. trialed a tomato soup, a pasta sauce, and then our Bloody Mary mix, which we, we've kind of stuck with, um, stuck behind right now. We're probably going to go back to the others. Um, so it wasn't initially too. to sell produce to restaurants or go no, to the farmers market? No, and it's a homestead too. It's, it's also a, a farm, uh, you know, there's a, there's a house, the owners have their house there, and, and um, it was an extension of that and creating an environment that was... Um, designed you know by with biodynamic concerns with as far as all the plants and the trees that are there there's very much a layout that was um i remember i think before you got there i went to a couple of luncheons at the home there and and i i don't think there was any plan except to get everybody to eat everything they could from the garden and take some home right well that was how it started I think. pretty much you know and, and then once you start growing one thing you start growing another thing and then oh i can't have one thing and then like i was saying before oh how many kinds of tomatoes right. can I fit in that right. area hmm. so how many varieties do you grow about so i brought seven varieties of cherry tomatoes which oh but we grow 11. um I started out trying to grow eight, and then I always people always send me or give me seed mm-hmm, that I'm like, mm-hmm. oh well, I have to try that one. That could be the star, and that's where this blush tomato came from. I love that. It was a late one. In, it's entry. So Some, gorgeous. <clears throat> someone recommended that, and uh, everybody I've showed it to is off the charts. Um, that's from Artisan Seeds. Mm. Uh, they they do a blush. They also do this green bee, which is very popular in the city right now. And that now. was stunning. And this one is is this beautiful green What's tomato. It called? It's called a green bee. B B as in buzz, buzz B. B. green B, <laughs> but it's, it's a little. It's got a very thick skin. It does, and that's why um, this was recommended. It's a grilling tomato. It's kind ah. of been bread for shish kebabs or grilling mm-hmm. on the bread, and it doesn't lose it. It doesn't turn to mm-hmm. mush like most. Right. So they're they're starting to even specialize not necessarily in color and flavor, but right. also in the purpose. Because normally, you know, eating tomatoes, you don't want that thick skin. Like cher- cherry tomatoes, mm-hmm. you can tell when there's a water issue because you bite it and it's like oh yeah there's mm-hmm. something's going on with the water we got to figure that out wait tell me i need to know this <clears throat> tell, tell, me, tell me what's going on with the water if it what you were just talking about well thick skin I, I mean the plant has a long life so there, there are various stages at which the the watering can be very effective but also there are stages when it can be like too much that's so, what i need to know my wife i think overwaters our garden it's, I, it's a fine line uh, tomatoes won't i mean the the thick skin is from lack of watering or, or lack of deep watering okay so what you want to do with tomatoes is they don't need a drink every day mm-hmm. they need a, dr- a deep drink every few days or so or every couple of days there comes a point too which on one of my fields I'm, I'm at right now where you just shut the water off and the plants will plants are hardy enough and stable enough that they'll survive and, and it actually can can help uh, bring out more dynamic flavor in the fruit, right? Um, as well, but I would say watering is is an issue. Um, that <clears throat> there are all sorts of 
tomato issues we could talk about too, but uh, blossom end rot is probably mm-hmm. the most common problem people have with that's tomatoes. That's what we would have. And that's just the spot rot. on yeah. the end that mm-hmm. kind of causes the whole tomato to rot. And that, uh, <clears throat> it's interesting on our farm, that that's linked to a calcium deficiency. Right. So everyone always is like, oh, put on calcium or spray right. calcium or, or add the calcium after the fact. And it's like, mm, it doesn't yeah, really work. It doesn't work. What you need to do then is next year, prep your soil it, everything you know uh, in, in a regenerative agriculture you just remember that that happened and then yeah. always remember. The, it's not there's not something wrong with the plant there's not something wrong with the watering necessarily it's it, the first place you need to look is the soil right. and you're really trying to build an environment that can take a drought that can take you know doesn't need as much water because the microbiology is so strong it's kind of creating its own compost it's creating it's it's aerating itself and you're planting in into a, a wild environment to help feed that environment too so it um is exciting when you have an issue in the garden with with like blossom end rot let's say so our my experience with that was that water watering someone says oh you're watering too little or you're watering too much so try that that didn't work calcium got to do calcium add more calcium next year we added gypsum or some oyster more oyster shell that didn't do it either and like and we do soil testing, which is very important on the farm. We test at least once a year, if not more. Mm-hmm. Um, and is we it can. well water? Uh, it is well water. So we okay. have lots of iron in our mm-hmm. our well, um, and and then I know down the road from us there's lots of boron, yeah. which is what I was going to bring. Is the the mm-hmm. problem with the blossom end rod is that it's not necessarily about calcium. It's about the ability for the plant to absorb calcium, mm-hmm. and that's based in boron. Mm-hmm. So it's like suddenly add another hat on the farmer list, which is scientist and right, chemist, right. like figuring out what does that mean well that mean for us that means what it means for everybody is that our soils are depleted which most american soils are and we need to add things to it that will help enrich that and raise those <clears throat> depleted mineral levels so the typical way to do it in a monoculture is to inject lots of fertilizers or throw mm-hmm. on just whatever you need at that moment to get that instant push that's not really the way you would do it in an organic farm because you basically what, what's lacking are these minerals. You need things to digest these minerals, which is all the microbiology. So we use a little volcanic rock dust. Mm-hmm. Um, Where do you get that? Any charcoal? That's uh, <laughs> we, we don't use biochar or charcoal, mm-hmm. um, although I've heard great mm-hmm. things about it. Um, the rock dust is available most gardening centers or so if the, if it's not ask for it um so they're basically are taking like uh, pumice and, and <clears throat> grinding it down sorry I'm take some, it's uh mm-hmm. is the one we use is is gaia green glacial rock dust so it's basically the fines left under like all of the colloidal minerals from the glacier rock dust that's ground together uh, all of those minerals that are deficient in our soils are still found in certain areas that they can harvest those rocks and grind them and make them into this mineral dust so there's a 58 acre did you read that there's a 58 acre pumice rock floating towards greenland right now wait floating it is somebody who was sailing in that area saw a huge pumice rock that detached itself from something and it is now floating with the current and they're talking about it's going to have enough wildlife that it's going to bring regenerate the wildlife in Greenland. Whoa. I'm not kidding. Wow. 
Is that why the United States wants to buy? <laughs> yes, I think that was. Maybe that's why. And they, I don't think that I didn't was fake news. Name. But I'm gonna look it up and verify my source. Well, and do you know that when I was growing up, I was I was really into conspiracy theories, and my sister got me going on this one that Alcatraz is actually not an island, that it is a floating chunk of pumice. Oh. Now there's a certain, there's a post office, a really old post office that you can go to in the Bay Area where they have a picture of the bay and Alcatraz is outside of the Golden Gate Bridge and that somehow it got brought in. Now my sister rows whale boats out on the bay. So she claims that it's anchored down and that when she comes up on Alcatraz, she says the, the current that's going by Alcatraz on the back end acts not like an island current, but it acts like it's a huge boat that the, the somehow the, um, the when the current goes by, it's a, it acts the exact same way as if it was going as if a boat was going by. That might explain Anthony Eglin's novel, The Blue Rose of Alcatraz. Ooh, what is that? Interesting. Yeah. Well, and, the, he's, and he's a he's English. He lives here, mm-hmm. um, but he's British and. Uh, he's always written mysteries about gar- that take place in English gardens. Mm-hmm. But this was one about this weird rose that grew. And he creates a whole mystery around it. Oh, well, see, now the mystery here is that, that um, uh, prisoners on Alcatraz would notice that at certain times of the year, because they're, they've got nothing. Well, I mean, what else are you doing? You're yeah. staring at, at, it, at the city. At the sun. Certain <laughs> times of the year, they could tell that the coast was closer. So like they're floating a little bit, and supposedly a Japanese submarine clipped one of these anchors that had would anchored down Alcatraz um, at some point, um, you know, during World War II. It had come into the bay, um, and then how did Clint Eastwood get out of Alcatraz? He remember he dug out through the wall. Oh. Supposedly it was pumice that he had dug through. Now so, how about that? For so I'm really glad. Saturday I- at the Red and White Ball, it was announced <laughs> that Mary Favreau, the executive director of the Education Foundation here in Sonoma swam that morning from Alcatraz to San Francisco. Wow. Do you think Alcatraz was closer than usual? I'd pick a day. I'd pick a day yeah. when it was closer. <laughs> I wonder so, if maybe there was the tide was in or out. I'm really glad I looked this up because okay. uh, here is the real news: the pumice raft was created when an underwater volcano erupted off Tonga, a Queensland. Not Greenland, Queensland. Uh, Cleveland? Queens, (laughs) Queensland. Geologists said the raft will be the temporary home for billions of marine organisms, including barnacles, corals, crabs, snails, and worms, that will tag along as it travels towards Australia and become a potential mechanism for restocking the Great Barrier Reef. Oh, interesting. It's a great barrier. Fascinating. What? Great, so, great, just towards so Australia, towards great, right? Towards towards great barrier, right. right? Which is which makes more sense. <laughs> so last uh, night at uh, Muscardini Cellars, the Sonoma Valley Museum of Art showed a film called Aranjasi, made by a guy from San Francisco with Peter Coyote's help, and the fellow went to Naples to find his family's roots. Anyway, he has a whole thing about he makes a. Um, a metaphor of making pizza in Naples to arranging your life. That's where Aranjasi comes from. Anyway, the whole point of the Neapolitan pizza makers was that their San Marzano tomatoes are so perfect, and that's why they have the 
best pizza, they claim, is because of the volcanic soil from Mount Vesuvius. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, mineral. No, exactly. Right, right. It's very true. Way to bring it back around. Bring it back to the tomatoes. Good job. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, minerals, I was going to say, but it's true. I mean, you know, the Midwest is, is strip mining the soil, you know, with. with mm and dumping it all into the Mississippi River. But, you know, it's just, we're not paying attention to the fact that plants want to grow. Uh, as long as there there is soil life and soil health, the plants will do with what mm-hmm. they want to do. Uh, as a farmer, it's kind of my job to facilitate that. You know, it's like having a, a baby, you get them all filled with everything you need and hopefully they, mm-hmm. they work out well. Um, sometimes they don't. Sometimes there are issues. Um, be you, minerals are the main thing we can actually change in the soil by soil testing and realizing that what we've taken out we can actually find sources for those ecologically sound sources for those instead of petroleum which doesn't make sense um, to bring up the mineral quality of the soil the idea that we're not um, being as productive with our you know and and just planting from fence to fence to fence to for miles and miles and miles of the same food that doesn't do anything for humans either by the way where it's soda pop and animal feed pretty much is what we're growing um, if you were to convert those huge farms into small family farms you could actually regenerate not only the you know the soil but the whole communities that are being kind of destroyed mm-hmm. by this this rampant um, mining really it's not no, yeah. not so much farming anymore it's right. strip mining the carbon and, and minerals right. out of the soil and we it, there are ways to do it and luckily we were in a great place with great farmers who are really committed committed and on the cutting edge of figuring out this problem Mm -hmm. because um it really needs to happen i mean and i don't mean to give the midwestern farmers a bad rap there are a lot of no-till large large scale no-till operations that are really starting to turn and see the benefits of it um of protecting what Mm -hmm. we've got so i have a bigger question for you maybe with our trade war situation going on right now between our president and china and so many soy farmers and others out of business, not planting their their normal crops. Is there something they could plant that would rejuvenate their soil and allow them to branch out? I mean, if they've been growing soy and using Monsanto products and... Well, I mean, that's... <laughs> That's sort of the thing. There is. There are, there are many different crops they can grow that instead. They can also grow um, a multitude of crops instead of focusing on these big fields that are set up for large tractors. You can, I mean, the, I think it was the UN released a, a report saying that small-scale um, operations, small-scale organic farming is, is really the only sustainable way to do it. And, and one thing, too, is that it's not mechanized or not as mechanized. Therefore, you need more people power. Therefore, you That's re- our problem right jobs, now. And you no create people. more opportunity. But People, there's no people. Labor is, is one of the hard, more difficult things to deal with on the farm, is finding people who are So it goes more mechanical and more tilling, huh? It goes more ca- mechanical or, or simple solutions, which is chemicals. And, you know, I mean, basically my whole adage towards chemical farming is that you're doing it wrong you know the right. plants want to grow the soil wants to grow the right. soil, it all wants life wants to happen right but you're you're farming with poison so yeah um and you know and, and we're also at a, at a critical point i think with farming and and um use of chemicals in our food because there are so many health problems that we're starting to see that mm-hmm. didn't really weren't as common as before and a lot of that has to do with the lack of lack of nutrients in the food also the 
chemicals that are in our food too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By removing, you know, chemicals from our food, we're going to, there was this, I'm a reader. There, there are lots of, there was a study that came out recently saying that, that by, you know, if you stop eating organic or stop eating chemically laden food and starting organic food the switch happens rather quickly in our body, you reduce your chemical mm-hmm. exposure, your health and your immune system have time to rehabilitate. I think it's like 70% difference in two weeks time. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> I mean, um, and, and I absolutely believe the increased numbers of people being diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. There is mm-hmm. no doubt that chemical food has contributed. At the very least, it's a con- constant um, assault on our immune system. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, it, it may not be that it's directly causational, but it, it is definitely not beneficial. It's not helping us fight mm-hmm. these diseases at all. Whereas, you know, there's no pill for cancer. Right. But yet we've proven but start time eating, and time yeah, again that in these really foods, natural and- but in these foods, there are chemicals that fight cancer. So mm-hmm. we're kind of in this weird dichotomy where we're told that, you know, to eat all we can, you know, to eat these processed foods night and day. And we have large multinational corporations feeding us that idea. But then we have, you know, little farm, as well little as the farms. USDA. Right. As, well, Exactly. It's a whole nother. I mean, we're subsidizing, you know, those, the chemical industries as well. Right. Um, small organic farmers have to kind of have had to kind of figure it out for themselves and make what little advances they can. And, and right now we're also subsidizing people. It's not new, but subsidizing farmers to a greater extent for not growing mm-hmm. because they can't sell. Right. Under the circumstances. And I, I, I worked on a friend's campaign for governor of Indiana once. They bought an extra 450 acres so they could be paid more not to grow anything hmm. oh my goodness yeah for their i mean they already had 400 acres and and that was a long time ago and um now we're we're doing that that's why i asked if the big farms that are being paid billions right now to not i mean to substitute for their earned right to income get to get into something subsidy. else yeah exactly. i mean that's yeah. the thing is that, that you've got a lot of these mega farms growing for subsidies not for food yeah and so what we try and grow on our small organic farm is food that people not only that is good for people to eat mm. that they enjoy but food that's nutritious and going to actually further and enhance their lives so when you look at those you know the government needs to realize that the model is broken you know, and all of our money is going towards all of our subsidies are going to not all. I shouldn't say mm-hmm. we live in California. There's never a better. There's never been a better time to go organic right. as a farmer. There are um, cost share programs to help you get set up with the, the cost of, and, of mm-hmm. grants. You can get you know you, you can get coop houses, greenhouses, mm-hmm. funding for hedgerows, funding for compost. Funding but, is, is available. But you don't get all that. We we don't well. Uh, we don't specifically okay. pursue those just because of the, the type of operation that we're right. the type of farm we are. But there, it's available to all small yeah. farmers, organic farmers. So not to be controversial or anything. Ooh, but please, please. <laughs> he loves it. But your farm, you, does your farm have to be profitable? Um, specifically, my farm does not. Okay. No. So, I mean, we're definitely talking about luxury. Yeah. You know, and... We do live in an area where a lot of people can afford this type of luxury and people care more about this type of luxury. Like people are willing to spend more money on their food for health, for taste, for flavor. 
but how and even if people were doing small scale farming for themselves I mean, I think people could save money that way if they have a plot of land or they live somewhere near a community garden or are able to do that. But some of the things that you're doing here are really out of reach for a certain class of people. I would say so, uh, a to lot a degree. Of but a lot of people. Also, um, there are there, interest is really the thing. I mean, right. I think that one of the main things that you mentioned was that... Um, People don't have access to this kind right. of food. They also, I mean, if you go to people don't have access to farmers markets either, right. which is amazing oh, to me. If if um, I grew up eating these tomatoes before I ever t- tasted a piece of saltwater taffy or a piece of candy, <laughs> I would never care about candy. You know, and that's coming from Philadelphia. You know, the suburbs in Philadelphia. We didn't we didn't have this growing up. You know, but you had Halloween. But that's, yeah, and that's kind of what I mean. My discovery yeah. of this this variety of color and flavor and sweetness and, and just the, the cycle of an opportunity to have that many flavors made me really not like going to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So that, that turned that turned my mind into figuring out ways that I could eat this more often. Right. One is find your local farmer's market. If you don't have a farmer's market, there's right. a chance that there's a farm near you that has either a CSA program mm-hmm. or will actually allow you to... You know, by their buy, seconds, buy, even? By seconds, even, mm-hmm. from them. Farms, the CSA model for small farms has, is really changing the way that you can do farms. Do uh, you like, do, you don't, we, we're do not you a, do CSA? a CSA? No, yeah. I, have, I have several friends that do it. And, yeah, and Be it Well really, Farms, I want to sign up for their CSA. Uh, Be Well is great. Yeah, yeah. Singing Frogs does a, sing, a CSA. Right. I think, um, there are a few around mm-hmm. Santa Rosa. Um, you know, I um, founded a program here for the school, gar- the school district oh, for, of school gardens and nine schools, and... She's um, trying to get another donation yeah. on the well, air. No. <laughs> Good for her. One of my goals through the 10 years I've been doing it, and I haven't achieved this yet, is to have every kid go home at the end of the school year with a tomato plant. Nice. Whether it's in a coffee can or mm. whatever, if they live in an apartment with a fire escape, to grow it on the fire mm-hmm. escape, whatever, so that they can show their family what they've learned. And... Um, I haven't. Anyway, that that's a goal, but it's ten years and I haven't achieved it. So, oh, you better get on that, girl. Yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, that's really what we need to do more of is education you know, it, well, the kids and kids seriously. just don't. They don't know what food looks like. They don't no. know what what tomatoes are. You know, they, they, do they here see. Now. They, they do here. They do here now. But they, you they, know what? The former um, food manager, whatever it's called, at the school district, didn't get it at first. Three years it took me. Then she went to a food manager's conference where Jamie Oliver spoke mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and talked about kids not knowing where potatoes yeah, came from. Yeah, that was all incredible. That. She came back and she called me and said, can you come over to my office? And I said, sure. And she said, I get it now. I've got three years before I retire. Let's do it. To change the food in yeah. the schools and educate the kids. And it was, yeah. it was, it was an institutional thing. And I think it's probably in a lot of schools where they're educated to do certain way take federal foods that are allocated and do what they can with them Mm -hmm. but it's just a matter of thinking yeah and i mean wouldn't it be amazing for like someone like christian to go into the schools i mean you're young um you know and and be able to like really talk to them like on a or or having people talk at a level where they're going to be excited they can have some heroes they can go wow that's 
tomato man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, and I think it's like figuring out the way to keep kids interested because technology, obviously, um, you know, <clears throat> today a game launched, I think one of the War of World games or something, one of the games launched. I mean, the kids are like lined up, ready mm-hmm. to, you know, cut school because they're going to play. But it's like, how do we teach our kids like get that enthusiasm about do we need food. a tomato game we might we might need a tomato game here we go i know i think but a big part of it is having a garden consultant. having a garden having, having access. a garden and i know you know not everyone you know we we're lucky enough to own our house so we can pretty yeah. much do whatever we want and it came with a you know a place that we could put a garden in and um, that's why I think it's things like you're doing, Kathleen, is really important. Get the kids exposed to yeah. that. Yeah, I, I remember vividly, like pulled, five years old, mm-hmm. I can still see it. I pulled the first carrot I ever pulled Aww. out of my grandmother's garden. But uh-huh. it was such a moment of like, what? How? And now I can I, eat it? And you, like, making those connections of yeah. where does it come from? How how does it end up on our plate? And what is that? Can I eat it? Yeah. You know, like having, creating wonder and marvel. Um, mm-hmm. I love I love bugs in my garden. I love mm-hmm. all bugs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, the idea of spraying for one bug is a ridiculous concept. Yeah. If you've got a room full of people and you spray poison uh, on one of them, and it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, how do we get rid of the flies in the restaurant? <clears throat> flies in the restaurant, I have no idea. That's, yeah, we're I, using that's why I work it's a purpose in life. You, you need it's to, just to annoy us. Well, they love your charcuterie, by the they way. They love everything. So, <laughs> you know, flies are flies are actually a good. Pre- some of what them are very good do? predatory insects. Yeah. They eat the larvae and eggs of other insects that grow up to be bad and eat okay crops. so there was so some we're house, actually the house fly i'm not sure but <laughs> you're farming you're farming flies right so i want to know two two things about this bottle maybe two one where does and this is a gorgeous label done by our very good friend patty, patty. Britton. Who oh, has nice. done the girl in the fig labels our wine labels opus one fear Ferrari Carano, oh, on and on and on. She's she did all these labels, and she's absolutely amazing. Where does this art come from? Is this something you did? Uh, you know, I don't know. No, I, I wish. It's amazing. Um, I it, love this. Picture. I've seen the original. I've you seen have? the original. Um, the, the owners have it. I okay. I'm, I can't recall off the top of my head. I apologize. For it, is it Ken Holland? Name. Did, Patty didn't remember. do it. I Patty did. did the label, but not the art. Based off oh. of an actual painting. Yeah. That, that, um, yeah. She did okay. the label. Does you know the text and the layout and uh, and then what does what does this sell for in the market? So we're currently we're, we're we're kind of trying to figure out where to place it, where it okay. sells best. We we had it in a couple of the local markets, Sonoma, Glen Ellen Market, before mm-hmm. they they changed and um, been pursuing Whole Foods for. Ever. years too but that's it's not so really hard. the appropriate place for this either because uh-huh. it's definitely much more of a smaller product so we we uh, paired with Eric Ross Winery in Glen Ellen we sell it through them who uh, is it? oh Eric Ross, Eric Ross right okay. in, yeah right yeah, that's uh, cool. in turn there and they've, the they've just been fans of it for uh-huh. years and kind of um, been off, have been selling it for us for years and, wow. and just a great local space to do it we also sell it in a small meat market of all places in uh-huh. um, in the city uh, and but that, how much are and they it, selling it's usually it for? like uh, 12 Dollars or so around twelve dollars. That's a um, lot which, of mix for 
twelve dollars. It is. Well, it's, it is. It's I, a I'm like that's what I'm thinking. It's it's. A, I mean, it's a comparable bottle. It's you know, thirty two ounce bottle. It, yeah, to, it's um, big. To most of the others that are in the store, it's interesting mm-hmm. now. When I when we started this about five years ago, you go in to look for Bloody Mary mix, and there were two on the mm-hmm. on the uh, yeah what are there shelf, now, and now there are like four or five. Yeah. One of them organic. We have there's one, only one other organic one, okay. and that and that always is sort of a go-to for me because I'm not organic farmer, obviously, mm-hmm. but I also believe that we should all be organic. Right. I think that the the other stuff should be labeled not organic. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, we talked for a long time about doing our Bloody Mary mix um, private label. We've just never done it. It's you know it, it's a great little thing. To, it's not something you're going to drink every day, but it the, right. This is great by itself. You don't even need. I would like this in my it. fridge um, just to have it. To I, I drink can't stop for drinking breakfast. it. It's like a. I mean, we. I call it like a spicy V8 kind of. Yeah. But it's all. It, it's not V8 for sure. I feel like I it's get healthy. Like if I really like it. yeah. It's got little little bits of things and. No, and I'm getting a buzz from it. Not a not a not an alcohol buzz, but a buzz from the the fresh stuff. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. That's great. Thank you. Tingle. That's great. Yeah, that's that's my horseradish. Yeah, that, it's which, so tasty. That's good. That's good. Thank you. I um, like it. You know, and one of the things too about growing things and going back to kids is that mm. growing gardening is amazing, and everyone should do it on whatever scale they're they're comfortable exactly. doing it, whatever scale they can do it. If it's exactly. a pot in your on your porch, that's great. Do it shouldn't that. be stressful. And do that well and be happy mm-hmm. with that. But you, there are other outlets for you to find this food because people right. are growing it, and more and more are growing it now too. It just takes a little effort. I mean, as much effort as it would take for you to go to the grocery store, you can go to the farm. Right. It's exactly. usually not as far. You're just not going to be able to get paper towels at the same place. Right. You know? it's, it's it's more, but but produce shouldn't necessarily be sold in a grocery store. I don't think necessarily because they're kind of a different thing now. They're right. they're everything else, and then here's some produce as opposed to what it used to be is a green market like right. where you would go. Yeah. I mean, green string has a great. Mm-hmm. business model um, down in Petaluma that you know you go in there and it's it's a wonderland I love seeing kids there too because mm-hmm. they're just running every which way looking at all of the different exciting things do you have kids I don't know okay I have a wonderful Maine Coon cat and, oh uh, nice who's <laughs> the size of a small child uh-huh. and, uh, and, acts, and acts like one it really no, teach we, your we cat have, how to garden we, we yeah I, I don't um, either but I if I was like a mom I would have to be like a hippie mom and like have farming and, and well and cooking is too another part of it is is cooking is getting kids yeah. to cook yeah. getting people to cook i've my best friends uh just <laughs> resisted all costs you know for like i've been i've been preaching this gospel for 25 years just to well if you're a vegetarian <clears throat> you have to be that's well honestly another reason i got into this was because there were yeah was an I mean, insufficient amount of vegetables in the store right um that and that like can were quality can you eat the same thing same couple things every day like i mean how you really mix it up uh what do you mean eat the same at things home. at home oh yeah I like do you diff- cook every day I have to every, okay like two to three times a day so usually. like what's the fa- one of your favorite dishes that you cook up oh my well depends on the season the okay. one right favorite now tomato I mean, tomato, yeah. tomato sandwich with a little olive oil and salt oh, is the best God. Um, we live in a great place for fresh cheese which I still eat and oh. it's wonderful mm-hmm. um, uh Gosh, I don't even know where to begin. Okay. Like, it really depends on what I'm, what I'm looking spot. at, and yeah. well, no, and, and what I've got in my arms at you the know, time. We, you know, we, we what, the garden is a great supplier, and right. I usually go off of what is right. harvested. You make me realize how spoiled we are here. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're in Sonoma, California, where everything grows, 
And um, <laughs> my son spent a year in Chicago at the Art Institute. Mm -hmm. A friend oh, wow. had told him about this wonderful organic produce market. He went and he was so disappointed. Everything was old, mm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and um, it, it's just because we're here, we think everybody has access to this great stuff. Right. It's well, it's there. There are organic farms popping up everywhere. There, I mean, the, I, even in my home state of Iowa, there's a, the organic movement. There is is gaining momentum every day. Um, I think that the more people want it, the more we'll have it. And I think we've seen right. that more with, mm -hmm. we just see even in California, the diversity of farms and the number of farms have increased mm -hmm. over the past 10 years. And we're going to be seeing that more and more as people get on board with the idea that you don't want to eat right. poison and every day. It, I mean, it's really weird because when, when I get interviewed and people go, well, how do you feel about the farm to table movement? I'm like... Really? Is this a movement? <laughs> right, this is what we've used been be doing for 22 years. Yeah. It used I mean, to be called dinner, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, I don't feel like it's a trend or it's a movement, but we know that so many things start on the coasts mm -hmm. and move inward. And as they move inward, so for me it's not a concept, but maybe someone in Iowa... Um, that hasn't had access to farmers markets. I mean, maybe Isn't all of a sudden they're like, concept, right? "Wow, we're going to sell things that we grow right here, or make right here." But see, as a, a person of words who's written six dictionaries, I wonder about the whole term "farm to table" because everything's grown on a farm. It's just right. how you define it, exactly. Mm -hmm. Whether it's in the backyard or or in an right. industrial greenhouse, it's just right. I yeah, mean, it's interesting. I mean, it's it's become almost trite. Right. It really well. It, it is. It is kind of. It's a it's a term that defines something that we all take for granted. You right. know, in a lot of ways, it's a term that right. defines what we yeah. what we were lacking, not what we you know. It's it, marketing. It, yes. Well, it's marketing, but it's also like you the we had to come up with an idea that. To explain to what yeah. we used to do to right. get our food, <laughs> to get it back. and and now we glorify it and put it on fancy mm -hmm. tables and fancy yeah. restaurants and call it something more. But really, what that is, it, and and going back to your access thing as well too, mm -hmm. it's a lot. A lot of people with money enjoy mm -hmm. that concept because the provincial style of peasant food right. has become elevated. But it's still the same right. beans and tomatoes and yeah. greens and. You know, and everyone can make that stuff every day. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine recently, because I'm a vegetarian, he was asking, <clears throat> he tried it. Do you failed. use Miyoko's, any of Miyoko's stuff? I like her the stuff, butter. yeah. I, the butter. The butter I, is I amazing. I listened to your podcast. You did And on you mentioned her? the butter, and it's, it's on I my list of butter. things I bought her butter. I found the butter. I did find the butter. Oh, good. Where? I told you, they just run out sometimes. I found it at Whole Foods? I don't I know. Whole Foods One of them. Own. Maybe Whole Foods. My yeah. friend was saying, oh, I'm sorry, Dana. No, uh, he was saying as far as like, you know, vegetarian food, what do you eat? Like you asked too. And, and he, he was saying, so what do you eat instead? I mean, I was like, well, we eat beans. We eat a lot of beans. Uh, like Gordo like, beans. like the yeah. rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And he was like, what do you mean? Well, what's the most nutritious bean? And I was like, what? I don't you know, the most nutritious bean is the one you put in your mouth. Yeah. Right. That's, that, the same thing with vegetables. Like uh -huh. The most nutritious vegetable is the one that you're mm -hmm. eating. Like, right. you have to be eating that it That didn't come out of a can. Um, I did have to look it up, though. It is yeah. uh, garbon Lima? garbanzo. Followed garbanzo. By, followed by lentil, followed by, I think, uh, Interesting. some other Interesting. Uh, kidney. Well, this was so fun. I mean, I know we could go on for hours. I, I do. Um, we didn't even name. Can you just name all the varietals on the table? Sure. Absolutely. Um for the slicers, we've got the pink Berkeley tie-dye, uh, also striped German, yellow brandy wine, 
the mortgage lifter, Japanese black trifle, uh, Italian pear. I believe that's Cherokee purple or a black. You sound cream. like you're announcing a dog show. A, uh, <laughs> this is called a native sun. That's beautiful. Uh, the color yeah. on that. green, the green zebra. Green zebra. Um, got the best seeds from High Mowing Seed Company on that one. Just these beautiful, large green zebras. Uh, this is a Norman. Sorry, That's this is a new beautiful. tomato this year. Norman Miner from uh, Wild Boar Farms. Yeah. We've got the blush uh, grape tomato or, or cherry tomato, indigo, indigo cherry drops, the Italian, or the, sorry, the atomic grape. Uh, atomic this is called grape. Galena's Choice. I did eat a few that were the, on there. Uh, black, cher <laughs> black cherry is an heirloom um, that we have over there. There's also some sun gold, which are the most sweet, Sweetest, delicious, most delicious. And I grow tons of them. My neighbor only grows those <clears throat> cherry tomatoes. On purpose? Uh, maybe two. Maybe that one and one other. Mine rarely make it into the house. Yeah. And I think I have an orange glad and maybe one other over there. Mm -hmm. But again, oh. like I, every year, I, I there are a few varietals I stick with year to year that just are, are wonderful. But every year I have to add, well, I intend usually to add two or three and I end up having... Four or five or more. <laughs> and then, um, if anybody that's listening wanted to access any of these, mm -hmm. could they like? Uh, you mean our tomatoes or your the... tomatoes? Oh, like yeah. a couple pounds or? You can email me um, at Christian at Little Paradise Farm. Christian at Little Paradise Farms dot com dot com. Uh, one farm. One Little... farm, no S. Farm. <laughs> <laughs> so Christian at Little Paradise Farm. If you have questions or if you have um, desires for Bloody Mary mix tomatoes, we can figure out where it is if you're locally it's very easy if you're not we, we don't really ship the bloody mary mix but um, okay. maybe there's something we can work out and then littleparadisefarm.com mm -hmm. and are you on website? instagram we're not instagram's the one thing i'm not yet okay. um because facebook? facebook we are we have got a, a facebook page i've been trying to get the instagram thing going but um i'm picking more than i'm taking pictures right now yeah. so collating them it's just it's hard i need to get better on it's that hard. at that you know there i've got several friends um locally who, who just who have that down and I think as farmers it's it's an amazing way to market what you're totally. what you're selling it's great access to chefs to show them what you actually mm -hmm. have in the field um, and tell us a few restaurants in the, like in the city or <coughs> Napa that are just uh, right, well, right now, um, two of the main ones that I supply are our Depot Hotel here in Okay. Town, and then Archetype in St. Helena. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, those two guys I've worked with for years, and they, they're both just really... Tony. Tony and, and, uh, and Tony. Tony and Tony. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then in the city, we're do, we work at, uh, <coughs> with a place called Mavex. Uh-huh. Um, uh -huh. And oh, yeah. then uh, also couple other restaurants i'm trying to very get into cool. there too very cool so yeah and then well, yeah we need more people to buy your tomatoes because buy our tomatoes or grow their own or right? grow their own yeah beautiful <laughs> but if anyone has any questions about varieties or where i get seed um, are you freezing any of these at the end of the year personally i do um i i roast them and freeze them so um, you roast we, them first and then freeze them you don't freeze any just plain i've done that in the past um and, th and that works great too i uh but like just for my sauce. own consumption own yeah. consumption because I'm lazy I think I roast them first and then just throw them in a bag uh -huh. um, okay. but uh, no usually I mean usually we have tomatoes until November yeah sometimes even middle of December Christmas that's the great thing about Sonoma yeah. uh, we can have it that late if the weather permits but uh, so I usually take a break from tomatoes honestly yeah. no, I don't and that's right too um, well because then the next seasonal. thing's there yeah you know. uh, and then it makes that first tomato in May-ish somewhere in May get excited uh, like very very <laughs> yeah. very, okay. very good yeah any last um, I want to know what um, what other products are coming out of the garden besides the Bloody Mary mix currently 
uh, as far as products we make. Right. Or, yeah. uh, right now, we're not. We're, we're focused pretty much on the Bloody Mary mix. Okay. We've made a, a tomato sauce, um, sort of an Italian pasta sauce, mm-hmm. and then also a, a tomato soup which was quite wonderful. Okay. Um, I say that longingly, but you can't buy it right now. Um, but, but we hope to go back to the soup. It was just a little costly mm-hmm. to make, right. so we're trying to figure out how to mm-hmm. make that a little right. work a little better for us. And can people actually come visit the farm? They can. I mean, again, email me ahead okay. of time, and I, I'd love to set something up. Um, okay. Very it's, cool. It's a working farm, so we're always kind of running every working. which way. Uh-huh. Um, but I'd be happy to take some time and show someone around if they're interested. Nice. Great. Just quickly... Do you want to tell people how you roast the tomatoes in case they have extra? Oh, just for storing for winter? Oh, it's the simplest thing in the world. You just literally take your tomato and you cut the top off or the the stem off and drizzle it with olive oil in a baking pan. Done. 15 minutes or so until it gets a little caramelization on top and then let it cool and pop them into freezer bags and then just take out. As many as you need them. Yeah, I mean that's that's the that's again the lazy farmer quick way of doing it. There mm-hmm. there are techniques and even classes. I imagine well, you're I'm doing an that very same thing. Um, but I I prefer to take like the the easiest approach, especially if I'm you know having second rate tomatoes in January. I want to right. You know. Well, I think even the easiest approach, teaching the easiest approach, will encourage people to do it. It's not. I mean. I don't it's, want to make it sound like I'm I'm not I'm, I don't work hard, but it's not that hard. No, I mean, you know, the exactly. work is hard, but the the doing, the want to do it, right. like the fulfillment you get out of, of growing your own food is unlike anything else. To know right. where it comes from, to know it's clean, to know it's fresh, and know that's filled with farmer. vitamins. Yeah, yeah and know ethics, your farmer. Yeah. There are, there are so many farmers who want to talk like me who want to talk incessantly about the mm-hmm. food they grow. Um, go find one. They're right. they're really right. everywhere here. Or become one. Or become one. Even better. Or become your own. Become your own farmer. I have one last little comment. I've grown a lot of these because for two or three years I bought tomato plants, starter plants, by the strange name. Fun name. Oh, of course. Yeah, I do that too. And I had no idea what they were going to turn out to be. So if you have a nursery anywhere near you, you can ask for, you can look in their catalog or go look and see what they offer and ask them to order some of the ones you like. Yeah, you know, and also again, tomato seeds are really cheap, and you can get a bunch of different varieties for the cost of one or two plants. Yeah. So my, I started saying this earlier. My mother-in-law starts them on her little porch, in right, just in plants, in little, just in little seed pots. Mm -hmm. She lives in Illinois, and hers looked stronger and bigger than some of the ones I planted at the same time here. It's so so weird. But but how are you taking the seeds out of the tomatoes? Uh, when you, you, like say, when you save seed, yeah, you, I mean, there, there are various ways to save tomato seed. Um, <clears throat> one of the easiest, I guess I did this with the, the sun gold, is to just literally cut the tomato open and smear it on a paper towel. Like, get the seeds, Smush it. Lay, lay them, well, I mean, just, you want to spread them thin so they dry mm-hmm. evenly. And then, <clears throat> lazy way of doing it, you can actually just take the pieces of paper towel that the seeds are attached to and put them in the ground. Right. Um, or you can just peel off the seed once it's dry and put that in. Another way is to... Um, Put it in a glass, mm-hmm. uh, your tomato seeds in a glass, and it'll separate. And so you take the skim off the top and whatever, and then you pour it out and then go to the drying okay. process. That removes some of the pulp and excess stuff that will uh, cling to the seeds and cause mm-hmm. improper germination. Um, and then how many seeds would you put in one of those little thingies? In one thing? Yeah. One. One. Two, maybe. One or two seeds um, in that's, that that's little That's the thing, thing. is, if, if, you're, if you're doing it right and you're, you're giving it good soil and all it needs, for the most part, one seed is all you'll need. 
like to make a plan. The problems that come late, I, I always overplant. I always plant at least, well, I want to say six, but I would say six dozen more than I need sometimes. <laughs> um, because you, you're all, I always plant extra just because you're going to have wildlife who wants to eat it too. Right. You're going to have and you want to share water issues. You're going to always want a little more. And then if you have too many, you freeze them. Um, but growing from seed is really something that changed our farm a lot. We, we uh, built our first <clears throat> greenhouse about two years ago. It got up and running and we've been doing our before then we were hiring a greenhouse to grow tomato plants for us right. <clears throat> off of seeds that I selected. Once we got our program going, it changed everything. Uh, right. I grow everything from seed now, right. from cauliflower to tomatoes. We do so, our uh, tomatoes are from seed. It, it really yeah. makes a difference, and I think that it's all about the location which, which it's grown. Mm -hmm. No transit time, like they're not in a truck, they're not being moved around. They really like you. Their um, terroir is mm -hmm. important to where they where they. So if you have a little kid and you'd like to teach them and see what happens yourself, planting something, do what my then four and four quarters year old grandson planted one watermelon seed in the backyard instant gratification almost because all of a sudden there were two leaves uh -huh. wow and that's what got him started on growing all of his food i mean it's a it was a watermelon seed out of a watermelon they that had you for ate. dinner sure wow watermelons so have seeds <clears throat> Yes. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, even the, even right. the seedless ones do. So it was like back when we had a rotary telephone. Remember you used to spit them out? Before my, before my watermelons came on this year, I was actually looking for a watermelon for my chickens on one of those early heat wave days. Oh. And I'm wandering around Whole Foods. I'm like, do we not have watermelons with seeds anymore? Because nope. no, yeah. Foods doesn't. Yeah, like, you know, we have seeds in I, them. But even the seeds and if you get the seeds, you, you if you get the seeds out of a bag, you got to get them with no salt. <laughs> <laughs> it's um yeah, it's it's interesting to uh, to grow like watermelon. Melons are coming on hard and heavy right now too, and I've never like they're a close second now to tomatoes for me because I never really tasted melons freshly picked and oh my god yeah. uh crenshaw's hail's yeah. best cantaloupes like just insane they go Charente. really well charante oh, we do a rocky Charente. ford i don't know if you know the rocky ford know. it's or no. eden's gem it's oh. also called it's a little green one that's very oh. nice mm. um <clears throat> yeah uh, one of the things that got me uh like one of one of the plants that got me into gardening was garlic um oh. i read chester aaron's garlic is life oh. uh when i lived, mm. lived in la briefly and that again 200 plus kinds of garlic in the world wow. what, what wow. why are we eating california white no offense mm -hmm. but no there are so many great garlics so the great thing about garlic is you put one little clove in the ground and you get a whole head like i don't know why that never yeah. really, it's yeah it's they're like, not where, where does where does the stuff come from people are not telling people potatoes potatoes it. are the same way no. potatoes are magic you because just put you a put potato potato in. in the ground oh you cut it you shit it you, you got to make sure there are eyes no Put a potato in the ground and see what happens. <laughs> You'll get a dozen. Yeah. Like it, it just they multiply. Yeah. It's so easy to do. And the, word, the again, the most difficult thing I have to deal with in California is is rodents, right. gophers who right. also want to eat our. You have food. lots of boxes. We have boxes. Uh, owl boxes. Yeah, yeah. And we have we have bobcats and coyotes and mountain lions. I have a baby too. fox at my house right now. Is it a red one? Yeah. Is it at your house too? My fans, yes. We live a few blocks away. Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful they though. They're beautiful. He's beautiful. 
They're a lot smaller than people think. They, yeah, they are. It's, it yeah. Lo- I thought, wow, oh, wow, that's a huge squirrel. Right. Like, no, it's a baby fox. <laughs> exactly. Oh, this was so much fun. Um, this was great. Thank you thank so you. much. Oh, uh, oh my anytime. God, we're so honored. And thank you for um, actually bringing show and tell and letting us taste. It's I know, we so love when awesome. people bring stuff. We're spoiled. We are spoiled. And we, we like the swag, especially when it's natural swag. Yeah, natural swag. <laughs> Edible swag. Totally. Yeah. Anyways, it was awesome. Thank you so much. And again, littleparadisefarm.com. Christian at littleparadisefarm.com. Yep. And, and uh, Kathleen Hill, it's always great to have you on the show. Thanks for including me. I learned yeah. a lot. Thank yes, you, Christian. Yeah. Oh, well, awesome. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad you stopped me from talking. I, <laughs> <laughs> I could keep going. Yeah, thanks to all the all listeners have to have out there. You, back. you know, if you um, live here locally and you want to get a hold of some of the Bloody Mary mix, you can go to um, Eric Ross Winery, which is literally almost across the street from the Glen Ellen Market, just a little mm-hmm. bit down the road. Across um, from Yeti and uh, right, yeah, right, yeah, just down shops. the road. And you can grab a bottle of nice uh, wine. Mm-hmm. I, I recommend the Zinfandel. <laughs> 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 Thank you so much, Christian. We do appreciate it. Listeners out there, we appreciate you listening. Please feel free to leave us a review. And if you want to check out some of our other episodes, you can always go to thebitegoeson.com. Uh, you can also find us at Radio Misfits and on every platform every available to man new iHeart radio we just got on iHeart radio beautiful yeah and we're national right we are national it's over a million listeners so we we appreciate it yeah all right we'll look forward to talking to you next week thanks Thank thank you